Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino here with you to, uh, as I always say, educate and entertain you for the next 45 to 60 minutes here as we talk college football, NFL football, and if any other sport is lucky to, enough to penetrate the major sport in our country and society right now, we'll talk about it here on the Gridiron Studs Show. I mean, it, it is called the Gridiron Studs Show, for, for God's sakes. So... Um, that's what we're doing here for the next 45 to 60 minutes here. He's Emil Calamino, by the way. I'm Chad Wilson, if this is your first time coming here. And if it is, I'm going to ask you right now to go ahead and subscribe. Hit the subscribe button on whatever you are using to stream this podcast right now, whether that's Apple Podcast, it's Anchor, it is Spotify, whatever it is, whatever is your weapon of choice for you to stream your podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You won't regret it. We put out some pretty good stuff here. Common sense and uh, very informative and educational stuff here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So we're happy to have you on for the first time. We want to keep you coming here. So again, hit that subscribe button. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Gridiron Studs, where I am known to say some profound things. Um, some interesting things and then some stupid things. So you can cuss me out and, on there too. And some, provo- some provocative things. You seem to get people a little bit fired up no matter where you go. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. What you can I tell you? Set. You got that skill set. <laughs> yeah, everyone has an opinion. I share mine. People at, from time to time will get a little pissed off about it. Hey, if you really want to be entertained, though, go find my man Amel on Facebook. Um, he's a man of many thoughts and uh, high intellect. <laughs> <laughs> um, sports, politics, human was, nature, yes, he touches it all. So hey, go find him. You know, you know a story that got me that was off the beaten path uh, of sports, not the beaten path, but uh, how about the University of Indiana? They wanted to hire the Celtics coach Stevens, and uh, they offered him a, a bag of money, and he didn't want it. What do you think that was about? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe he just realized, you know, Indiana, you don't, you know, you think of University of Indiana and, and, and if you're not a basketball fan, maybe people don't really get it. But I mean, that school, that's, uh, that's like an Alabama like pressure there to win. I mean, you know, they, they did make a movie once called Hoosiers. I mean, sure. it's a basketball state. And I'm wondering if he just figures, you know, I'm already in the NBA and that type of pressure cooker in Boston. Why do I need to go back and do that? I mean, it says, you know, what, you know, I might as well just stay where I'm at. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think more and more of these guys, both at college football and the college basketball level, are thinking about career paths now instead of just grabbing the job because they've thrown enough money at me. Um, and then, of course, the, the amount of money thrown at you means there's going to be a certain amount of pressure coming in. You know, like you said, though, it is Hoosiers. It is Bobby Knight country. You are stepping into some big shoes. And I don't know who has it worse in terms of recruiting right now, college football or college basketball, but to go put a lot of effort in to bring a guy in that's going to do one season um, if he's that kind of guy and leave, I don't know. I don't know if that's just fulfilling enough. No, I mean, I, I think I think college basketball has, has really, you know, I think it's very hard for a coach. I mean, you know, like you said, the better programs are bringing in three and four of those guys every year. So you're reshaping a team. I mean, you're always reshaping a team in college sports because you're going to have seniors, of course. But, I mean, it's like your whole team at some of these programs. I mean, you lose yeah, everybody. 
man, as someone who's coached, I don't know, man. I, it would be hard for me to feel fulfilled if I put that amount of effort in. I mean, and it's going to take a, a big amount of effort um, at Indiana now and where they are in the whole landscape of college basketball to get a guy. And then he leaves in a year. What part did I play in molding this player, teaching him basketball, teaching him about life? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I mean, I th- I would think in college sports, I know that, you know, let's be honest. I mean, there's no doubt they're in it for the money. But I would think there's a certain part of these guys that they stay in college, too, because they do like that aspect of it, developing young people and, you know, having some impact on their lives in a positive way. Like you're saying, I mean, essentially, college basketball truly is, you know, a developmental league for the NBA. Um, 100%. And, you know, and may speak to Stevens is um, word I'm looking for, perhaps his his motives for coaching when he just turns down that money and yeah. um, says, no, I'll stay, I'll stay here in Boston. Well, I mean, if I'm going to do it, essentially saying if I'm going to do that, I might as well just do it at the professional level. Then, then they're, they're, you know, they're grown men. Well, sort of. I mean, we now playing the NBA, but. But, you know, I'm not responsible for, for molding them. You know, they can go mold themselves. They're adults. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone's in a hurry for that to happen anyway. All right, listen, the big thing on this show, our main topic is there's, you know, the Premier League over in um, in England has started this talk about a Super League. And that has spread back over here across this pond. And uh, people are talking about college football Super League. And what would that look like? Emil and I are not going to get into the ins and outs in terms of, like, how would that um, be run? We could probably future shows. But what we're most interested in now is who would be those 15 teams? Emil and I have our thoughts about it. So we're going to present um, our 15 teams. I have mine. Emil has his. And we'll, as we do with a lot of lists here, see how um, – his and mine stack up and how many teams we agree on. Well, probably what, what do you, what do you say is the over under on the amount of teams that we may have different in our 15? I'm going to say three, because I think without talking about it, I'm thinking that you're probably, your mind works a lot like mine with this kind of stuff. So I'm thinking we probably use criteria in our own heads. That's going to be similar. And I think 12 of those teams are going to be relatively easy. That's my guess. I'm going to think three of them we're going to disagree on. That's, that's my over under. I would have I would have put it around that two and a half three you know when I say two and a half I sound I really sound like a yeah, said, yeah you do sound like a bookie you know why don't we say two and a half so so we don't have any pushes here yeah there you go two and a half two and a half is the number place your bet speaking of place your bets we've got the NFL draft coming up here next week and you know who knows most about sports but the sports books if you really want to know what's going on and who has the info and what right might really happen. You got to go to the sports book. So William Hill, uh, based in London, based in England, which is kind of the, you know, one of the kings of online sports books, um, has their ideas. They have odds like several other sports books about, you know, different things that are going to happen in the NFL draft. And I just wanted to talk about some of the odds that they have out there, starting with the odds on the number one overall pick. You want me to guess? Wait, I'm going to guess what kind of money. Yeah, I, I, yes, please do that. Um, we've got four guys, potential uh, first-round picks, according to William Hill, 
Um, listen, let's not play any games. Trevor Lawrence obviously is the leading odds. He's got a minus fifteen hundred for those of you who don't gamble. Good for you. Uh, you you have to put up fifteen hundred dollars to win a hundred. That's my guess. I would have thought the same, um, but the number is actually lower. It's it's, uh, it's minus a thousand. Okay, but that's still you know hefty. You got you know for those of you like I said who don't gamble, you got to put a thousand dollars up. You're gonna go. When you get that ticket, if you cash it, they're going to give you eleven hundred back. Your thousand plus the hundred you won. That's laying some pretty big coin to win a hundred bucks. Yeah, you you would have to be ridiculously sure, which I think you should be. Trevor Lawrence is the guy, so might be the Um, easiest hundred bucks you ever win. Really, I mean, if you've got a million dollars sitting around somewhere, um, you can go ahead into the window and and pick up some. (laughs) Some uh, a nice little payday. Um, yeah. Zach Zach Wilson number two in terms of the odds for being the number one overall pick, plus two thousand. Justin Fields plus three thousand. Panay Sewell, um, the left tackle from Oregon, plus five thousand. That so, tells you how. Yes, um, like you said, really tell you how really that that tells you. I mean, in other words, you put a hundred bucks on Zach Wilson. You you're gonna win two thousand dollars. That tells you how sure they are that it's 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 Lawrence. Yeah, wait till like Wednesday night and you get some kind of uh, tweet put out there about some you know hidden better out there puts <laughs> puts twenty thousand dollars on Zach Wilson <laughs> being the number one overall pick. That would send everything into. A you don't think game. someone will do that? People are crazy. They're all looking for a lottery ticket. If some guy's got twenty grand laying around, he doesn't need. I mean, I, twenty to one, I, he's gonna pick himself up four hundred grand. I guess mattress Mac or somebody. I remember a guy naming ah. named mattress Mac running around making big bets one NFL season. Uh, or he's one on the Astros. Season. He's out in Houston. He got ridiculous amounts of money on the Astros. Maybe he was the one with the garbage cans. <laughs> mattress Mac. <laughs> yes, maybe he was out there pounding the hell out of those. Rubbermaids. You know I'm still bitter about that. Don't even get me going on Mattress Mac and the Astros. Please. You're bitter. <laughs> you think I'm not bitter as a Yankee? Fan? I know. I know. We're both bitter. We share. We share. No, I want oh, to tell you why I'm listen, I want to tell you I want to tell you why I'm really bitter is that the damn pandemic saved all those guys' elbows and, and chins because they were for sure gonna get dinged up last year. They were gonna get hit at a record clip. And, uh, you know, don't be so sure they don't. They're going through Los Angeles this year in New York. Don't be so sure they don't. Yeah. Those guys should come out of there with some raspberry and strawberries, uh, yes. at least on one side of their body. Anyway, second overall pick. Second overall pick is interesting, too. Um, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Panay Sewell. What do you think the odds are on, on the second pick? I mean, unless, unless somebody just overwhelms the Jets, I mean, gives them some, you know, an offer they can't refuse. I, I don't hmm. see how it's not Zach Wilson. I mean, I, I don't see what direction they're going. They traded Darnold. You know, I, 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 I think they're in love with Wilson, and I, I think he's going to be your number two pick. Unless, like I said, so they trade out of that spot. So toss an odds, toss some odds, odds out there for me. Do, if you, uh, so, if, uh, what is Zach Wilson to be the number two pick? Yes. He's probably minus 800. Oh, well, yeah. minus 3,000 is the number. So, they're that's, more sure of him than they are Lawrence. That's yes, amazing. Yes, they are. 
Yeah. Yes, they are. It, and, you know, uh, that in and of itself is very interesting. Filling out the field, Justin Fields plus 1,200, Trey Lance plus 4,000, Trevor Lawrence plus 5,000. Wouldn't that be something? Um, and he's plus 5,000 along with Panay Sewell, also plus 5,000. Well, is it my imagination or do you feel this too? I feel like we're kind of in an era now at the NFL draft that if you have a top five pick, it's it's got to be one of three things. A quarterback, a left tackle, or a defensive end that kills the quarterback. Pretty much. It's all yeah, about the, it's all, it's it. passing league. Right. So, I mean, it's almost like if you're in those spots and you don't need one of those three you know, players, which rarely that happens because let's face it, if you're picking in the top five, Usually, you yeah, in those areas, you're missing something very important, and it's at one of those three. Spots, right, so. but if you didn't, I mean, you're kind of stuck trading the pick, and everybody knows it because you you get crucified if you pick anybody else. You know, if you pick, one, you know, if you pick a corner at number four anymore, it's almost like you're an idiot. Well, the Lions did it last year, so well, like I said, <laughs> like I said you're an idiot. Sorry, Lions fans. All right, here's where things get a little bit fun. Third overall pick. You want to guess or should I just run through these for you? No, no, no. Wait, wait. Let me think here. Let me think here. Let me think. Who's got the pick again? Third overall picks the San Francisco 49ers. That's going to be – yeah, run through these because this is interesting. I mean, I think this – we talked about this last show. I think they're they're kind of the, mo- uh, the most interesting. Them and the, the, the Falcons at four – to me, are going to be the entire for everything from there is going to is going to flow from there with these with these two teams do. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that right after this. But right now, according to William Hill, Justin Fields is minus one twenty five, Mac Jones plus one fifty, Trey Lance plus two twenty five. Not really worth talking about anything else, but just for kicks, Zach no, Wilson means plus two. Means they don't know. That I mean that just tells you they don't know because. I mean, that, that's in a tight window. They just don't know. That's a pick em. If we were betting a game, that's essentially a pick em. That's what they did. Yes, yeah. as close as you can, you know, I guess really get With to money something like that. That's about as close as you can get when you're multiple options and you got a minus 125, a plus 150, and a plus whatever, two and a quarter. Essentially, they're saying we, we, know, we, we believe it's one of these three guys. We really don't have a clue. Yeah, um, interesting, though, that they decided to slightly throw those odds in Justin Fields' favor. Perhaps they do think it's a smokescreen in San Francisco. Uh, I'll have some thoughts about that on our next segment that we talk about here. But I found that interesting. Well, here's what I find interesting with Fields, right? Okay, this guy was basically coming out of the season, I felt, was, from all indications, clearly the second quarterback behind Lawrence at that point. And... Then all of a sudden, we had the miniature underwear Olympics because we couldn't have the full-blown ones. Everybody ran around on their campuses. And mm. and all of a sudden, the guy's like being talked about like he's maybe the fourth or fifth quarterback instead of the second. There's been much talk about why he has faced all this criticism um, and things that were just absolutely false being thrown out there that were then de- debunked by through film study and um, – you know, stats analysis, because we've got a ton of that in this day and age. And we just kind of wonder where stuff like that comes from. And could it be, you you never know in this day and age, but is it a team lower down um, that's not interested in doing the normal thing like trading up, throwing this kind of stuff out there to, to, to kick sand on this kid's fire and perhaps pick him up a little later in a draft? Would you believe a story like that if it came out? 
Sure, I believe anything in competition. I mean, guy, when you when you introduce competition, especially among men, they'll they'll do anything to win. So, do do I would I believe that? Sure. I mean, Hist- yeah. His- historically, Emil, without me checking, when things like that have been done, that players ended up being pretty damn good. You know, <laughs> when a team's thrown something out there, or at least the rumors have been attached to a team. Um, throwing some sand on a player who was hot in a draft and he went later, that player usually ended up being good. Whether it is just um, they were really great to begin with or they had this extra motivation because they didn't go where they were expected, the player usually turns out being pretty damn worthy. Oh, yeah. Um, you Well, you broke it down, you know, with this pick. We talked about it a while on the last show. For some reason, we, you know, this was very interesting to both of us. Your your point on Mac Jones, which you said, you know, maybe they just think he fits what they do, right? Um, you know, and you, again, this is this is my perception, so it means nothing, and it might not even be fair. But to me, I just see Mac Jones as a system quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, he was surrounded by a ton of talent in Alabama. Good for him. He waited his turn. He did great. It's awesome. Okay. Good story. But I see him as a system quarterback, fair or unfair. And I'm just not spending the third pick on a system quarterback, but that's me. What do I know? I'm not a GM. Well, when we're talking about San Francisco, that head coach truly, really hardcore believes in his system. And, um, you know, reading some things since we last had a podcast last week, um, or was it the week before? I'm not sure. It's all, it's all running together anymore, but Um, Since we last spoke on this podcast about that, it's that they feel of the guys that would be available at that spot. They feel Mac Jones is the most ready to win now. And I think whether it's Kyle Shanahan or just coaches in general are a little more leery now on riding with a project, um, a guy with a high upside, that kind of stuff when you're talking about the quarterback position. And I think, what some of that is, Emil, is that coaches get let go pretty quick now in the NFL. And, you know, you could sit here and think, oh, Kyle Shanahan is very secure in San nah. Francisco. Things can go sideways really, really fast in this league. And I think with the way players get developed now at that position, I think more and more coaches are going to be a little reluctant to, to, to go the project route unless you have a for sure starter you believe in. And I think if you're going Mac Jones for that reason – and you're really looking to to deal Jimmy Garoppolo quick, fast, and in a hurry. But I, I I think if they I think if they take Mac Jones, you you could see them deal Garoppolo right in that first round to somebody else. Yeah, yeah I mean, if, if they, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo even plays for the 49ers? Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, what's your point? I mean, if again, if you're if you're using the third pick in the draft on a quarterback in today's day and age, now remember. Anybody listening, if you're older, this isn't 2000 or 1990 where the quarterback would would be expected sometimes to just sit a year or at least half the season and learn from a veteran. These guys are coming to the league pretty much ready to play. And and you got that window of that rookie contract. So if you're using the third pick, I would think, yeah, you're dealing Garoppolo to get more draft capital to, to help this year's team. I mean, uh, yeah, 100%. So that's going to get very, very interesting, that pick there. But where I think things are going to really, really get interesting is going to be at number four. 
Right. And, and we've talked about that. I and what they what give me their odds. They, what do they got on the fourth pick? The odds. They don't they have, have they don't they have didn't go that far. No, no. They, they they have other stuff like, you know, individual players, draft position. Um, so like Patrick Satan, for instance, over under ten and a half plus one hundred, under ten and a half, you know, minus one thirty. So what's Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts is five and a half. Um they have his over under five and a half. To, to me, then after those three quarterbacks that we talked about, you know, I think I think the first three teams are going quarterback. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, that perceptive to come up with that. I don't see how, in some order, Pitts and Sewell, the uh, left tackle from Oregon, I don't see how they're not the next two players off the board. Well, Panay Sewell, um, to your point, is also five and a half. Yeah. They got. They have to be. I mean, I mean, if you were looking at this draft, and just as as somebody looking at talent, and and the measurables and the film and everything, I don't see how you can't look at those two guys and say, barring catastrophic injury that no one can predict, these two guys are perennial Pro Bowl players. Sure, um, and and you know history would would say so. I just think number four with Atlanta is where things are going to get kind of crazy. Because let's say Atlanta takes Kyle Pitts. There are a couple of quarterbacks still sitting there. So I would imagine some teams that need those quarterbacks or need a quarterback or thinks they need a quarterback are going to be placing heavy phone calls um, to move up and grab their guy there. If, if You mean at five? At five. Yeah. At yeah, five. Sure. Of course, we all know Atlanta. Is what, Cincinnati? Is five Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah they yeah, need a quarterback. Back. No, but, but they Cincinnati, need – Cincinnati never moves. They're they don't. Dealers. They're, no, they don't. That, that's just because their they're management team, the Browns, are just not that creative to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I'm Cincinnati, I'm, I'm fielding those calls depending on how far back I got to move because I, I'm looking at there's a couple tackles in this draft that I think can come in and help you right away. And it doesn't have to be Sewell. So even if you move back and somebody grabs him, you could still get, as long as you could still get Slater from Northwestern. I, I mean, if, if I'm getting enough for it, I would. Cincinnati. Right. Um, and, and that remains to be seen if Cincinnati is even like that. They did change their uniform. So they could be turning over a new leaf of creativity. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I'm sure they're subtly changed. They still look like tigers to me. I mean, they're black and orange. Oh, they're Bengals. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put a tree on the side of their house. I know, but how much can you change if they've got their black and orange with stripes? <laughs> I mean, now, a cat's going to be a cat, man. I mean, they're kind of... Uh, I mean, what else are you going to do? They're black yeah. and orange with stripes. I Just mean. the fact that they changed, even if it's one stripe, that means they might be moving in a different direction. Well, we already know that Atlanta is receiving calls, um, and I, I hear their asking price is ridiculous, so that's the reason why we haven't had any type of deals done. With but it Atlanta. should be. If you're Atlanta, right, and, and let's say we talked about this. Let's say they're okay with Ryan. They figure, oh, he's got a three-year shelf life. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking internally, but I'm guessing. Well, the, then you should ask a ridiculous price because I think Pitts is is just a guy that's going to be a Pro Bowl player. So if I'm gonna, if I'm going to trade out of that spot and lose a Pro Bowl player, um, I'm going to want a lot to do it. Uh, you you kind of know what's screwing Atlanta on getting 
um, getting a deal done there is that there's two quarterbacks. You know, let's assume Mac Jones is taken. The fact that there's Justin Fields and a Trey Lance is screwing him. If there was just one or the other, they, the deal might have been done already, and they could have taken, you know, gotten a King's right. But you only need one there. person, one team to fall in love with one of the two, and you can get the deal done. Um, true. So, you know, going back to what I said, if Atlanta takes Kyle Pitts, I think I still think there's a lot of calls and deals that are to be made. Yeah. That. If they don't. Let's say Atlanta does something crazy and they take a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. I think if they were going one or the other, just something to me says if they're going to take a quarterback, it would be a Justin Fields. Um, then I think we're still going to go. We're going to have crazy deals being talked about because we know that your guy, Jerry Jones, really likes Kyle Pitts. And he might want to leapfrog over some of these other potential. Teams I, I don't you know, I, I could be wrong. Jerry likes the wheel deal. But the one thing I don't think he'll do. And even though they have 11 picks this year, I don't think he'll give up draft capital to do it. And the reason I'm guessing that is this. Kyle Pitts would be a luxury, not a necessity. In other words, they have two pretty decent tight ends. Whoa, I mean, they're we're talking about Jerry Jones here. Who loves luxury more than Jerry Jones? I, I agree, but you see what I'm saying? I think, I think if it was a necessity, then he'd definitely do it. But I think they've got two decent tight ends that can both catch and block. They're not him, but... They've got so much weaponry on the outside there with Prescott coming back and happy with his new deal. I don't think it's a problem. I think it's more of like if he fell in our lap, we'd take him because you can't at number 10. You couldn't not take him. Mm-hmm. If he, but I don't, think, I don't think he'd move for him. I could be wrong. Jerry surprises everybody all the time. Yeah, and there may be some others, though, that would be looking to jump in um, and try and get Kyle Pitts. So I just think we've got a, we're going to have a lot happening at number four. Yeah, I mean, listen, I when this whole process started months ago, I was like thinking to myself, you know, boy, if he fell to 10, I wouldn't mind my team taking him. And I don't really see how that could ever happen now after watching the process play out. So, Sure, wilder things have happened. I think this is a wild draft. Another thing that I've heard out there, too, is that a lot of players decided to not come out this year, even guys that were seniors, because, as you know, the NCAA essentially didn't count this year. Yes. So um, there's actually a shortage in players. There's a shortage in the pool of the amount of players that are available, and there's going to be a big rush next year. So uh, there may be some guys thinking ahead to that, and if they can accumulate picks for the following year, next year's draft, when a lot, you know, a lot more guys are going to come out, a lot deeper. Sure, sure. They they would like to be in in that. They would like to be in that situation with more picks rather than less picks. So. That's also going to affect some of the deals that are going to be made in this draft coming up. So there's that's a, a good point. I didn't think about that, but yeah, it makes sense. But you're saying a lot of guys are just going to take advantage of another year of since it was kind of a a very odd season. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah it'd be cool to have 12 picks instead of 10, or nine instead of seven, or you know, like in Dallas's case, 13 instead of 11. You know, just extra picks for for a bigger pool. Well, and you may see teams like Dallas, depending on what they get early, since they have a lot of picks, dealing later round picks away. We may indeed see that. All right. Um, Let's get into this college football Super League thing. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, though, before we do that, we're we're debuting a new segment here on uh, the Gridiron Stud Show where Amo will ask me a question about the game of football, but we'll go a little bit more in depth. You know, sometimes fans just watch the game, they hear things, and they may not necessarily know exactly 
what it means. And so, Amo, coming from the fan perspective, will ask me, uh, you know, a question about one of the intricacies of the game, and I will do my best to answer that in a way that, you know, a fan can understand and give them a little more enjoyment, I suppose. When they're, yeah, when they're the game. we started so talking about this because, you know, one thing you notice that if you're a fan, I think you've got to remember that when you're acting crazy, you're a fan or else you, you just become goofy. So fans tend to watch sports, especially football, and not understand who's responsible for what on a play. So they'll see somebody get or what they think is someone getting beat in coverage and, and they want to trade the guy or cut him or whatever. And, you know, they may not be what they're, what they think they're seeing may not be what they're seeing. The guy may have never been responsible on that play. Yeah. So as, it's, as, it's, you you know, know, as you know, that as a defensive back coach, a guy that played defensive back and has kids that play defensive back, that drives me absolutely crazy when I see it. Um, and it's just really not something that the player is going to talk about. You're not going to throw another player under the bus. You're not right. going to throw a coach under the bus. You're just not going to do any of those things. So why don't we just entitle this uh, segment, What's He Talking About? So what's he talking about? Coming up next. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. Oh, we're back now. We're we're this is our new segment we're debuting here, and it's what's he talking about? Emil, go ahead and hit me with that question. Okay, so you're you're watching a game, and a lot of times with defensive line play, they refer to a, a defensive tackle as a three technique mm-hmm. or a one technique. So what I'd like to know from you is, can you explain to me and, and everyone out there who's a fan what what that responsibility of that defensive tackle is when, when if that's what they are and what the qualities would be if I'm looking for a defensive tackle to, to play each of these different techniques on the defensive line? What, you know, what, what would be their best attribute? All right. Um, very good question, by the way. And, and, and any question where we're talking about line play really gets me excited because, you know, it's a part of the game that people don't really watch, man. I like that stuff in the trenches, which is Weird for a guy like myself that played in that back um, that back half, but um, I just really enjoy watching line play because I know the importance. Okay, so um, your question about hearing defensive line techniques because you'll you know sometimes you'll hear um, you know play by play not a play by play guy but, uh, a color commentator talking about a one technique three technique or things of that nature. First of all, the origin of that um, goes uh, it's a Paul Bear Bryant uh, creation. He wanted to 
devise a number system that would um, indicate the way a, the defensive linemen align versus the offensive linemen um, without having to be so wordy. So, you know, you just use a number and that will indicate where each player on that defensive line is lying, lining up versus the offensive alignment that is across from him. So he came up with a whole numbering system. So if we're just talking about the defensive tackles, it works like this. If you could picture this in your head, those of you that are listening to the show here, um, uh, if there's a center on offense and you put a defensive tackle, which it would be a nose guard at this point, right over the center. So to lined up directly in front of the center, that is considered a zero technique. And okay. now as you progress from that position through the rest of the defensive tackles, once you shade to one side or the other of that center, now you move to what is a one technique. So you're actually lined up half of your body outside of that center and you're kind of in the gap. You're in the gap more. Okay. So when you're talking about a zero technique, he's lined up in front of that center. Most of the time, his job is to get into that center, try to stand him up, and a lot of teams will have him take care of. He'll be responsible for, for both gaps on the side of that center. So would that be like a Snacks Harrison? Um, yeah, it's a bigger type player. Yeah. It's a 300-plus pound player um, who has to have the ability to stand in there, first of all, and stand that center up. He's going to get double teamed a lot, but he's he's responsible most of the time for two gaps. He's a two-gap player, so that means he'd be responsible for any play coming on either side of that center up the middle, um, and his job is to hold things up there in the center, not get moved out of there, and get rid of that center when the ball attacks either one of those gaps. So he's a zero technique. Like I said, now, when you move into that gap and a guy aligns um, partially in that gap, he's a one technique. And typically when you have a guy lined up in that gap, you want him to shoot that gap. So it would be a quicker player, maybe not someone 300 pounds. This guy might be at or under 300 pounds. What he needs to have is a really good get off, an Aaron Donald type. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you where Aaron Donald plays more. But have a, if I'm talking about a major player that guys can really understand. A really good get-off because he can get in that gap really, really fast once the ball is snapped. And if there isn't a double team, then he's past that center. He's into the backfield and he's wreaking havoc like okay. someone like an Eric Aaron Donald does. Now, when that player moves from that gap to head up on the guard, he's now a two technique. So, um over the center, zero, in the gap, one, head up on the guard, two. There are – it's more intricate than that, but I don't want to get into it. There are shades. There are things called eyes. Right, but if I'm playing a 4-3, could I potentially have two two technique defensive tackles, basically? You did, and when I coached, um, that's what I did. I would put my defensive tackles head up on both guards, and I would allow them – I'd give them the ability now – to go slant in either direction. So I made it a little bit unpredictable for those offensive linemen that had to block them. Um, one of the things that I and did... And then you leave the center for, uncovered, basically? I'd leave, yeah, I'd leave the center uncovered, and he had to guess whether or not um, one of those... which one of those tackles were going to enter into the gaps that were on either side of them. So I, I tend to go with that because I wanted 
the offensive linemen to have to think, to hesitate and wonder where these guys were going to go. So I didn't really oftentimes play with a zero technique. The only time Emil I would do that, I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he's coming out in the draft is um, I had a player named TJ Slayton who is uh, graduating from Florida right now. He's out in a draft. He was a big guy. He was 330, 340 pounds in high school. And um, it was just intimidating for the center to have a person that size. And I would, you know, and I would, I would tell TJ, ball snap, take that center and put him in, put him in, put him in a shopping cart and put him in that quarterback's lap. Yeah. Walk him into the, walk him into the backfield. Exactly. Exactly. So um, head up on the guard two technique. When you slide into the gap now between the guard and the tackle, now that's a three technique. One of the best three techniques I've ever seen. The best three technique I've ever seen. Warren Sapp, um, tremendous get off, was amazing with his hands and an extremely smart player, an extremely smart player. Very, very, very quick in recognizing what a guard and a tackle was trying to do. He could diagnose a play really, really quick. Um, He would know when someone's trying to trap him. He would know when a guy's pulling player when i say smaller relatively speaking a smaller quicker player a smaller quicker player yes because again you're in that gap you're trying to get off you're usually to the strong side of the formation where a lot of run plays go so you you need to get through that gap as quickly as possible and though you're smaller because of your speed through the gap you're probably commanding a lot of double teams and anytime you as a guy on the defensive line can command a double team, you're sucking up offensive players um, that can't be used to go block a linebacker or go block someone else. And so, yes, it, it's really great. So if I'm playing a three technique without getting too far in the weeds and we're playing a four or three defense, I can play tackles in a three technique if I want. You could. You wouldn't do that very Because the middle that. would be wide open. I'd have yeah. one guy standing there, right. Yeah, if you guys are avid watchers of the sport at home, you will see a pair of three techniques when it's an obvious passing situation. Right. Um, and if you do also see it and when it's not necessarily an yeah, obvious passing situation, situation, please know that either a linebacker or one of those three techniques is going to, or both are going to be slanting somewhere into those, into those gaps in the center, which we can talk about what those gaps are, how they go about naming those gaps on offense. We'll save that for a, for a later on. So just for today's segment, um, if you're lined up over the center, zero technique, if you're in that guard and center gap, it's a one technique. If you're head up on that guard, it's a two technique. If you're in that guard tackle gap, that's a three technique. And perhaps later on um, down the road, you can ask me a question about defensive ends and and how the numbering continues out. It it makes sense until we start getting outside of the t- outside of where the tight end would line up. Then, well, I was going to say, if I, it seems like if I get beyond a three technique and I'm a defensive tackle, I, I'm on the couch. No, <laughs> no, you can line up. You can line up head up on a tackle. Um, and so there, there's numbers for that, but we could say that for another second. Oh yeah, so we're gonna, we, okay. Now that's very helpful, honestly. That's see, I think I think this is helpful. I hope fans like it because I think it's great to to really understand, you know. And some people do, and that's great. And some people don't. I think it's good to understand the lingo when they're talking about it because then you understand what you know what, what you're really watching, or hopefully you do. Yeah, you have kids playing high school football that don't know this. Um, and, and there's some kids, once you start saying numbers, that's it. Their brain shuts down. They, 
um, have uh, they start reminiscing on a, a math teacher that ruined their life. So yeah, they think really they think you're going to ask them what y equals. That's why. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly when you just break into a seizure and you need medicine. So right. um, yeah, I hope that seg- I hope that segment there did help people who really want to watch the game game. You know what I mean? The game inside sure. of the game. So there you go. There you have it. That is our what's he talking about segment here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So, oh, and you know, and that brings me to another thing that I didn't talk about in the beginning of the show when I was telling you guys to subscribe. Still should be doing that and to follow me on Twitter, Amal on Facebook. Um, We're starting to get a little bit of a following here on the show. Uh, The amount of people listening is picking up. We do want to hear from you, though. So if you're not on Anchor and you can't do the voice message thing or, you you know, you don't really want to do that, you can go to something more traditional. If you want to email the show with a question, a comment, whatever it is. Hey, listen, if you don't like what we're saying, we might just read it on air, man, especially if the stuff's about Amo. I will happily. Yeah, I will say, yeah, then I, then I know we're getting that, sure. Oh, absolutely. Matter of fact, why don't you create just an email address? People to criticize me. Yeah, just create one, you know? Like Amo yeah, socks at the gridironstudshow.com. There you go. That alone is probably going to entice people. But if you want to email the show just off of this show, C. Wilson at gridironstuds.com c wilson at gridironstuds.com go ahead and email the show questions comments etc etc you can hit us up there all right let's get to what everyone came here for and that is our super league they're talking about a super league it's going to have 15 teams if they do it if they do it it's right now it's just an idea born in someone's head again it started with the english premier league soccer over there in 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 london and um, it's the idea has gotten it's been floated around here in the United States with our beloved college football, because, you know, why not? We're going through sure. all these changes in the sport. Why not throw something like this out there? So in, in light of that, Emil and I decided that we would on our own each come up with our 15 league super league teams and come up with 15 programs that we think should be in it. We've seen a couple that have been put out there. and We don't necessarily agree. So. Um, like everyone else and like you got folks out there, we have our own opinion on it. So Emil has his, I have mine. How do you want to do this, Emil? One by one? No, well, let's do, do this. Do? Let's do it this way. First of all, I want to talk about my criteria quickly and yours. You know, basically what I tried to say is, okay, current matters a little bit. You know, how the team's doing currently, I'm going to consider that. But I also have to consider the historical significance of the program and the following that they bring because it's a super league. And super leagues are not just about how you're doing at the moment. They're about the marketability of these teams. If you follow soccer a little bit and you go look at what they did over there or what they're trying to do, these are some of the the biggest football clubs in the world with great history. Now, some of them aren't dominating right now, but they're going to be in the league because they have a huge fan base and things change. Okay. So I'm going to look a little bit current, a lot with historical and, and, and the markets they're in and how much attention they're going to bring to the the league and, and, and the sport itself. Okay. So it's not just going to be, you know, uh, you know, whatever Clemson. Okay. Maybe they'll be in, maybe they won't be, but Clemson's last 10 years have been spectacular. The first hundred, not so much, you know, they were good, but they weren't, they weren't this, (laughs) you know, you're right. Right. Um, so. And I had a similar criteria. Maybe I didn't lean as much on the now as you did, because I realized this about if something like this were to happen. Um, when you put together 15 teams and you call this the Super League, 
um, some problems at some of these schools might pass. And, you know, for a lot of them, it's recruiting. Yeah. And if you're included in the 15, the 15 league, the chosen league, um, your recruiting problems start to clear up because all the kids are going to want to go there. So what would happen with a 15 league team is they would get, they would have, they would probably have their choice of the top players in the country. And it, you know, would more than and then one last criteria before we get going and we went on a board people, I, you can't, you have to be in a power five conference. I can't put you in the super league. Sorry, Boise. State. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't be UCF. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, sorry. The national champions in. from a few years ago. Sorry guys. You mean um, the self-declared yeah. national champ? Well, don't tell them that. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. If, if you're a UCF fan um, yeah. waiting to see if Amala, I put you on this list. You could probably go ahead and log off right now. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the end of that, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm so here, how about we do it this way? Um, we'll go. I'm going to name a conference. You can go first. Okay. Tell me what teams from that conference you've included in your Super League, and then I'll All tell right. you which ones I've done. And we'll go straight down. You know what? We'll make it simple. We'll go in alphabetical order. First conference will be the ACC only because it starts with A. <laughs> so well, there ACC, you I, there you go. I thought for a minute there you're going to say I needed to present you these teams in alphabetical order. And no, like, no, 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 no. I will not do that to, to you. Right no, no, no. No. All right, so ACC, ACC. I'm, I'm telling you guys in advance, obviously – no, not obviously. I did not pick an equal amount from each conference. Just know that. Me either. Here. Me either. Um, ACC, though, we've got five Power Five conferences. They hit, they hit their three. Um, so I went with Clemson, obviously. Um, you spoke about their recent history. You'd have to be blind to the sport or from another country, newly landed on our soil – to not know what Clemson has done um, in the last five, six years in college football, hard to ignore. Um, and then when you think about what the potential future for them is going to be, um, you really can't not have Clemson in this. And if we're talking about historically, man, you know what? 1981, Clemson was a national champion. I do remember. Sure, was, sure they were, yep. It's a right no, and I was kidding. No, they, they're historically a good program. They've just been spectacular for the last decade. Yes, and everyone remembers Deion Sanders running straight through Clemson on that punt return that gets relived ever so often. That's sure makes them iconic. <laughs> yes, anyway, Clemson is in there. Um, my alma mater, the University of Miami. Listen, we haven't done anything for a while. I can already hear you birds chirping right there. Pipe down. It's the U. It's a brand name. We've got guys in the league. We were iconic. Um, so. When you just when you have a nickname like the U, man, and we're based in Miami, um, just for the road trips I got put you in, of course, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> How are you going to run any kind of college football deal and not come down here um, to Miami? And so um, you got to have the University of Miami in there. They presented the best college football team in history. All right, you can you guys can go ahead and drop an email if you disagree with that and uh, get flamed by me. So Miami's in there. Clemson's in there. My third and final choice um, from the ACC, it's not going to be Boston College or Wake or anything. I mean, it's Florida State, okay? Another iconic program. In the midst of turmoil and trouble right now, um, but they're iconic, man. It's uh, much like the University of Miami, and they have national championships to boot. Uh, they have won a national. All three of these teams have won a national championship in the last 
20 years where I'm really to. And, and, and you know, I don't care if it's politically correct or not. I, you you, you got to love that chance. I mean, it gets going in the stadium. I mean, it's pretty cool. That is college football, right? When they start doing the. Oh. 100% can't argue with that at all. So give me what you got out of the ACC because I'm done with them. I got that, boredom for the correct. listeners because, you know, Chad, Chad and I were putting the over under on this. We don't talk about these segments. I, I promise you, we do not tell each other what we're doing. He said to me, what do you think the over-under is on us having different teams? Well, how many do you think we'll have different? And we, we, we decided it was going to be two and a half because we yeah. think alike. And we, we, you know, we, didn't, we didn't talk about this. And here's what I got for you. The same three teams, right in order, Clemson, Miami, go. Florida State. And I'm going to add one. And the only reason I'm adding them here is um, because that's where they played last year. I'm going to consider Notre Dame for the purposes of the segment, ACC, because they play there in basketball. They're independent in football normally. Um, okay, and, so we don't so we don't get out of whack. Um, I didn't consider them ACC. They did play there last year, but I included Notre Dame. Sure, um, in this. I mean, Miami I think if you do this, you have to, yeah, that's right. It's like saying I'm going to do a baseball league and not include the Yankees. I mean, I you know, come on, you know, the fact that we put these guys in there is going to piss off so many people. But you know what? They were in the college football playoff last year, so you guys just relax. They have gold helmets. <laughs> It's God's team and win yes. for the Gipper. Chill out. They're in pipe there. down, right? Pipe down. Okay, so we got the same four. We'll review these at the end, but there's the same four. Now we're moving along, and this is where I get confused with ABC order. So ten is less than twelve. Let's go to the Big Ten. Okay, okay. Let's go All to the Big right. Ten. Who has fourteen teams? By the way, we're going to go to the Big Ten. <laughs> Makes you want to drink. Here's my three. I'm going first. My, okay. I have three in the Big Ten, okay? And I think this one's pretty easy. And at the end, we'll talk about who didn't make our cut and got close. First, you got to include the Ohio State. They're both historically and currently, you know, one of the great programs in college football. You know, you can't do this list and not have Ohio State, right? So they're going to be in this new super conference. Mm-hmm. The next one People will go, well, how could you do them? The, 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 they stink anymore or they're not that Michigan. They've got to be in there. Okay, one of, the, one of the great programs in the history of college football. They've had some little bit of a hiccup the last decade, but it's, it's Michigan, man. You can't have a college yeah. football league without Michigan. Sure. And finally, you know, I think, they, I think they have to be in there. Penn State. Well, there you have it. We've got the I, same three teams. Yeah, I don't think you can I, do it without Penn State. Yeah, I almost I almost forgot Penn State, though. I will tell you that. Just my notes. It's Ohio State. Um, you know, they've won national championships before. Um, they've won one fairly recently. They're on the cusp again. Their recruiting is out of this world. And they had a head coach to smack a player that didn't play for him on the field. <laughs> oh, um, a a Clemson player. <laughs> yeah. So you got to love that. You got to go with that. Um, Michigan, all you need to know, man, is Michigan is a Jordan school. Okay. And they don't just pass that brand out to anybody. They are a Jordan school for a reason. It's Michigan. Um, it's Bo. It's, it's the only defensive player to tail to the victors. It's the, it's the big blue club or whatever the hell they call it when they touch that sign. It's everything. All that crap. They're traditionally there. And you know, they won a national championship in the late nineties. Give them a break. All right. So Michigan is there. Penn state. Um, listen, Joe Pa was there. 
I almost forgot them though. I I don't know why, but um, and they're in they're in the thick of things now, and they're an iconic school. They've won national championships. And, and they've got uh, those uniforms that, that are bulldog. They're, they're so bulldog ugly to some people that they're beautiful. They're just navy blue and white. That's it. No, 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 nothing the, on the helmet. Yeah, you got to <laughs> exactly the woolite um, yeah. uniforms. There you go. Penn State's in there. Okay. So that gives us seven. We're up to the 15. So now we move to the Big 12, which only has 10 teams, in case you're following along at all. <laughs> Man, if you're, if you're new to this country, trying to follow our sport, my goodness. Listen, when they come into this country and they realize that the rest of the world uses the metric system and we're still using pounds and inches, I think they already know that we're screwed up. Okay? Man, uh, I listen, when you talk about big, the Big Ten having 14 teams and the Big 12 having <laughs> 10 teams, this just smells of an Abbott and Costello segment waiting to happen. Here, it does. It does. So how many do you have, first of all, before you tell me your teams? How many do you have in the Big 12? Two. Okay, too. this is yeah, easy again, man. <laughs> and if you're sitting at home and you followed college football at all and you don't have any idea of the two teams I'm going to come up with, oh, man. Turn, no, you really should change. You should change. Go, go, some, go to something else. There might be a cooking show on or something. I mean, just get <laughs> – Yeah, man, pour yourself a drink. All right, Oklahoma and Texas, let's not play around. I can obviously make an easy, easy case for Oklahoma because they keep getting in this college football playoff. For those of you with recency bias, you're not going to have a problem with Oklahoma. They're producing first-round draft pick quarterbacks. Um, they're in the thick of things. They're winning the conference with some kind of regularity, and they're, you know, they've been in the college football playoff. But now Texas is where I can hear some chirping going on. Texas is Texas. Hook them horns, okay? It's an iconic football program in this in this game, all right? And so it is. What I mean, it is. you know, you got to look at everything. They just show up well on TV. They've got the nice uniforms, the tradition. You're, I mean, they're the richest school uh, in terms of athletics in the country. They have their own TV station. I mean, you can't leave Texas out of a Super League. No, you can't. All right. And we're just going to hold out hope that if you include Texas in a 15 league team, they'll get back to being Texas. They'll get back to being the 2005 Texas Longhorns that, you know, upset and probably ruined um, Amel's night one night. And, they did. And, and, yeah. And so, you know, you got to you got to have Texas in there. Yeah. Yep. So, OK, now I we're, dare we're you gonna... to say something different. No, no, that's easy. We're going to save we're going to save the SEC for last since they're last in alphabetical order. And that's going to be where I think it gets interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to go to the Pac-12 and they happen to have 12 teams because they're smart schools. They say we're going to call our league the Pac-12 and we're going to have smart enough to change the name. Can can you believe that? Yes. Guys out (laughs) west, um, as crazy as they may seem actually changed the name from the Pac-8 to the Pac-10 when they got 10 teams yeah. and from the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. It's crazy that they thought to do something like that. Isn't it? Amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, this one, and when we talk at the end, this is going to be – I think this is, is – these next two conferences are going to be what are, is interesting to see who gets left out. For me, this was sort of easy but not. I mean, I'm a USC fan, but you can't have a thing in college football without USC. Sure, the last decade, only a couple top 10 finishes. But, I mean, USC's got 11 national titles, and, you know, they got seven Heismans. They had so many, they gave one back. Okay, so you, right. you, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, USC, yeah, you guys hold this for us. Yeah, yeah, hold this. We don't, we don't need it. You can keep it. Um, they're in, and then I think you have to, you have to put Oregon. 
I mean, with the with the Nike uniforms and all that and everything they got going on, I know it's been more of a last 20-year type thing, but the kids love love the uniforms, even if the adults don't. <laughs> mm. I just think, you know, yeah. so I, I put Oregon in there. Man, I was really hoping you'd say something like Washington because it would get interesting here. But I, too, have USC and Oregon. Listen, USC is a no-brainer, all right? Um, like Amol said, national championships, Heisman Trophy winners, and uh, you would expect USC, even without a, a, a super league being formed, to get back into form at some point here in the in the near future, in our lifetimes. Um, yes. If you put them in a 15-league super team, you, you would expect USC to perform quite well in that. And so um, there's, there's no Pac-12 without USC. Just think what would happen if USC left the Pac-12. Uh, that conference is underwater if they were to do that. Um, we'll talk about some teams from the Pac-12. 12 that could have been there that didn't make it but usc and then oregon man the uniforms it's just how they revolution and revolutionized a few things in college football whether it's the fast-paced offense or it's the signs they held up on the sideline or it was the multiple uniforms and uh, all those things they have um, changed college football to a certain degree over the last decade yeah they're yep. not super hot right now but um who would I want to bet my future on? Uh, I would I would bet it on Oregon. So yep. Okay, so that we got eleven, and we all we agree on them amazingly. Um, and I think this is where we could have one or two. Maybe we won't. Uh, we're going to go to the the SEC, and I'm I'm going to let you give a team because we only have four left. You give a team, I'll give a team, and we'll okay. see if we have any differences. Alabama, that that one's easy. If I have to explain that to you, turn. Yeah, turn I don't think we have. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Alabama, seventeen national titles. They're in. Okay, go ahead. They're in. Um, LSU. I went LSU. Um, <clears throat> Gotta have LSU. I put them into, and I, you know, I just between the history, the stadium, um, everything. It's just you've been there. I haven't. I, I really would love to. I mean, it just to me, it's one of those cool venues. Saturday night in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you know, it's it's the players, it's the venue, it's um, their place in college football. They've won, they've won a couple of national championships. Um, they kind of they check off everything on the list. LSU. Yep. All, all right. Here's where the fun starts. Um, I chose Florida. Um, again, national championships, players, Heisman Trophy winners in the state of Florida. Um, and you know what? Okay, they have not won anything in the last. Five years in terms of a national championship, they were kind of they were on the cusp. There's been a top ten team. Um, well, and I don't even think you know five years. I mean, that means 125 other teams that win anything. I mean, I Florida easily in there. To me, I, all three Florida schools. When I started doing this, I just put them in. I mean, because you know yeah. that's where that's a high school. It's 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 the number one state for high school football. I don't care what anybody says, and I'm a California fan. Uh, California and Texas are you know vying for second and third, but as far as I'm concerned, not even a discussion. So all three Florida schools are in. So Florida's in for me. All right. And so clearly, if you took the under in this thing, um, you won. Go ahead and yeah. cash the ticket. I think this is where we're going to differ. Probably. So I went with. And this is going to piss some people off, but, you know, someone's going to be mad. I went with Auburn. Um, I went with Auburn. Yeah, I, went with Auburn I, didn't think you were, I, I didn't think you were going to agree with me. I didn't think you were going to agree with me, but I thought you were going to go with someone else on the last one. Oh, yeah. I, I know who you went with. I know what, who most people would have gone with. You know what, man? You guys ain't won no damn national championship over there. At least Auburn. 
the Cam Newton Auburn team um, was able to win a national championship. It's the home of Bo and a bunch of other players, man. I, to me, it was a bit of a coin toss. And you know what decided it for me, Emil? Who what? most recently won a national championship? I went with Auburn. I had three from the SEC for this final spot. Auburn was one, but they didn't make it like mm-hmm. you with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. But I went with Georgia. And I'm going to tell you, it was real close with A&M and Georgia for me. Real close. Really? I mean, Auburn yes. Auburn was te- your team on the, on the three outside. Yeah, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas A&M for me has a lot of cool history. Things I'd want in this league. they got a big TV market down in that college station in the Houston area. Um, they've got the 12th man, Kyle Field. But, but recently they've been pretty good. But Texas A&M has a whole lot of, of mediocrity in their history. You know, yeah. both currently and and pr- before. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of great players made him, but a lot of Name mediocrity. One. Name one. Quick. Uh, the, the, the guy who won the Heisman back the, in the 30s. Yeah, you're right. Now, I can't name a lot. That win. He played for the Cowboys, and he was a very yeah, good linebacker. Right. Yeah, well, there you go. I thought you were no, going you're, you're, Manziel, but No, you're, you're right. That's a great point. You did it. Right. They won. You know, maybe that's the case. You know, Maybe I'm thinking a little bit too much of the uniforms and not enough who was in them, and you're probably right. There's you know, Bear Bryant coach there. They've got some cool traditions, but they just haven't won enough for me in terms right. of just winning, not champions. Just winning, you know. They have a lot of seven and fives at Texas A and M. So I went with Georgia. Um, recency bias, sure. They've been really good lately. Between the hedges, you know, it's just an awesome thing in college football. You know, down between the hedges, and you right. got Herschel Walker, you, 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 you Vince Dooley, cool uniforms. You got Uga. <laughs> so I mean, I went yeah. with Georgia. I mean, listen, I could combat that with a war eagle. I could combat that with Pat Dye. I could combat that with Bo Jackson. So really, like I said, it was a coin flip for me, and I just went with the national title thing. Here's another thing that I know. If you put Auburn into this league and you leave Georgia out and Auburn doesn't do something right away, Auburn would fire their coach and hire Kirby Smart, and Kirby Smart would bring all what he did in Georgia to Auburn, and it would just roll like that. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Hey, well, listen, let's talk, let's talk about some uh, – I just hit two of them that I barely left out, um, A&M and Auburn. I mean, you know, you got to leave some teams out, right? We're only going to do 15 teams. That's what makes it fun. Now, a couple others that were getting close for me. Um, Wisconsin. Really good lately, but again, historically, okay, most people out there, if you're under the age of 40, you're not going to know this, maybe. Um, Wisconsin was not a very good football program. I mean, they had some years in the 1960s where they went to Rose Bowls, but generally from like the late 60s to like the late 90s, they were a doormat (laughs) in, in in the Big Ten. So it's hard for me to include them. It's kind of a little bit too boring for me. The, the you know you know how Wisconsin games go they're good oh, for yeah. winning you know they're just they're not interesting enough for me how about sure. you um listen I'd never considered Wisconsin um I gave them I gave a half a second thought to Michigan State and said no I did think of Nebraska because of the iconic thing that we've got going on here um recently it was just too bad um and I with me I did them I saw them on somebody did where they had Nebraska in there. You sent it to me, and I said, Nebraska, what are we giving lifetime achievement awards? I mean, I mean, it's not, it's one thing to say they've fallen off a little bit, but Nebraska hasn't fallen off like seven and five, eight and four fallen off. They've like fallen off the cliff. I mean, yeah, yeah, just the recent stuff, it's just too too bad to overlook. 
Um, but they definitely have a national championship history. Um, some argue about um, their 96 team being the, one of the best ever or the best ever. I don't really listen to that, but at least they're in the argument. Um, Tom Osborne, all that stuff, constantly winning. Um, and, and their battles with Oklahoma. I mean, that's for guys our age. We just remember that sure. every year. But I just couldn't do it. So. No, no, I couldn't do uh, that. Okay, so those two. And then here's a couple from out in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I considered UCLA for a hot minute. And, and mm-hmm. before people laugh and think of the last 20 years of UCLA football, try to remember that UCLA is in the top 15 of producing NFL talent, Um First round picks, I think they're somewhere in the top fifteen or twenty. I've seen lists, so I, mean, I could go pull it up, but I know I, I know they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the the last twenty years is just too hard for me to throw away again. You know, they've just been so mediocre to bad for so long. But I mean, you know, UCLA, I consider big market. You know, I'll, uh, with it with USC, big rivalry. How about you? Yeah, give any consideration. I did for UCLA. Obviously, I was a closet UCLA fan growing up, but I just couldn't justify it off of what they've done, been recently. The fact that they have no national championships to one, speak they have of. one. Stop, stop. They have one from stop sixty 19, something. No, it's nineteen fifty four. Hey, they all for count. God's the Yankees have championships from the forties. You stop for, counting them for God's sakes. When people like me couldn't play the game, I don't even count those things. Oh, here. stop that. <laughs> Yeah, but, but if I told Chad the Yankees only have three championships and he'd be like, what are you talking about, man? We got 27. 27. Yeah, well, there you go. We got Joe well, McCarthy. Totally, totally different sport, my friend. <laughs> totally different sport. No, um, just nothing in the modern era um, to speak of in terms of a, an accomplishment uh, on a grand stage. Um, nothing ever in the BCS era, nothing in this college football playoff era. It's just too hard. They have, as you said, produced – um, NFL football players. They've definitely done that at UCLA, but just not enough to push them ahead of, um, you know, Oregon, who I ultimately ended up choosing. And then the last one for a hot minute, I did give Washington a look. And then I thought Same to myself, here. I said, you know what? They've come back in the last decade, but man, they had, after John James, if you guys never heard of Don James, you're mm-hmm. too young, go look him up. He was a great coach. After he stepped away at Washington, they had a whole lot of stink there for a long time and it's just again not they're almost in wisconsin vein for me like not enough pizzazz just something's missing you know that yeah i can't put them in this very ho-hum with the huskies and um i've always been annoyed that they shared a title with the canes in 1991 so yeah i knew i knew i knew you were going there with that because i knew (laughs) you you, you're like me stuff sticks in your craw you just can't get get out of here all right, so yeah, no, no, nothing for them. Um, I guess we're up to to what the ACC now, or no? I didn't have. You know, it's funny. The ACC was easy for me. There was nobody I really considered other than those three. Yeah, that outside of I mean, that, I'm, yeah, I'm not doing Boston College. I don't care what Flutie did on a Hail Mary. I'm not doing that, and I just didn't see anything else. It's not going to be Duke. It's not going to be Wake Forest. I know I'm going to get a chuckle from you here because you no, know, maybe I won't. You, you know, I didn't consider them, but what people don't realize when you think about the ACC, you know, had historically a very good football program, produced a ton of NFL talent. Syracuse? Pitt. Pitt, you're right. Pitt has Sam- nine national championships. Unfortunately, the last one was 1976, and then the eight before that were like in the 1930s or something like that. But they produced, you start looking at the NFL Hall of Fame, and people won't realize it. Mike Ditka, Pitt, right? Curtis Martin. Eventually, Darrell Rivas, right. Larry Fitzgerald. 
I mean, there's a there's a lot, Dan Marino. I mean, you can start going through. There's quite a quite a few football players, really good NFL football players from Pitt. If, if we made this list in sometime in the eighties, nineteen eighty eight, probably sure fit in there. We probably sure. Oh no, Pitt was yeah yeah. Pitt had a run there, you know, from that Tony Dorsetti era, you know, from the early to mid seventies up until the late eighties. Pitt had a nice little run there, but just not enough. Again, historically, so I didn't even consider them. I just found it to be interesting when I started thinking about them. I said, geez, they produced a lot of great NFL players. You know what might have also been fun to do is to say is to make this list. But we're in 1990 or something like that. That might have been fun to do. Sure. We could do it like we're in 1940. We'll put Harvard in there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) An army. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have a super league. We have all the academies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And some tailback named Don. Uh, (laughs) No, but that might have been interesting. It's like how different would this look if it was, you know, made in 1990 versus what it is now in in 2021. That might have been fun. Whatever the case may be. That's our 15, man. Read them and weep. Like, again, if you got a problem with that, Email the show, cwilson at gridironsets.com. If you're listening on Anchor, first of all, thank you for doing that. You can leave us a voice message if we've, you know – pissed you off that bad go ahead and leave us a little voice message about it we just might play it on air but at this point man i'm glad you guys tuned in and listened to us for that long Um, like i said we aim to entertain uh, and explain and uh, educate you in this world of sports specifically college and pro football so um i don't know what we're doing next week and well thursday we might have to go a little early thursday i'm going to be a little busy uh, watching the NFL draft, and I don't know what my, my day's going to look like there. So you don't hear from us next week. You'll definitely hear from us directly after that, but we may do the show early. But for now, you guys, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for tuning in here with us and joining us here on the show. We appreciate you. And again, for the last time, go ahead and subscribe um, and share this uh, on your social media. If, you, if you've got people out there that really enjoy sensible sports talk, Go ahead and cheer. And feel free to drop us your 15 teams when this when the show airs. Uh, you know, tell us where we're wrong. I mean, I'd love to know, you know, which ones we were so wrong on here. Absolutely. We'd love to see your 15. So we've got our 15. Um, let's see your 15. But um, that's it. Time's up for us. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. See you guys next week. Hey, listen up, Loyal Gridiron Stud Show fans. They're apps, and then they're apps. Forget all the social media time wasters. I'm talking about an app that can actually put money in your pocket. I'm talking about Acorns. Ask any successful multi-millionaire or billionaire about wealth, and they will sing the praises of compound interest. When you download the Acorns app and open an account, you can instantly start putting a little compound interest in your life. Acorn sets you up with the ability to make money off of the spare change in your bank account through the use of roundups from your debit card purchases. You can also set a monthly contribution to your investment account that allows you to earn interest while you sleep. Simply set the type of investment portfolio that you want, whether that is aggressive, moderately aggressive, or conservative, then connect your bank account for deposits, then forget about it. Each purchase you make on your debit card plus your recurring monthly or weekly contribution goes into your investment account and starts compounding on top of all that 
you can earn extra investment bucks for yourself when you refer friends to Acorns. Watch out, Mark Cuban. Here comes the next billionaire. No, seriously. Set up your future by downloading what I continue to call the most underrated app that's out there. Turn your financial life around with the Acorns app. I did. Click on the link in the description of this episode and download the Acorns app today. Your future will thank you.